This is the Practical Homeopathy Podcast, episode number 114. Joe at Calabrese here, folks. I'm happy that you've joined me for my podcast today. You're in for a treat. From my virtual classroom, I'm privileged to see how homeopathy is transforming lives all over the globe. Their successes inspire me. They're glorious and powerful, and I can't keep their triumphs a secret. I want you to hear the excitement my students experience too, so you can be inspired by the unique stories. So with the help from Kate, my reporter, I bring you a podcast series I call Moms with Moxie. Sometimes we even interview dads with audacity or teens with tenacity. See how regular mothers and others, average folks who love healing those around them, have gone from freaking to fabulous by simply applying what they've learned using what I call practical homeopathy. This is Kate, and I want to welcome you back to the Practical Homeopathy Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a wonderful mom with Moxie, and this mom has Moxie, let me tell you. But her name is Rachel. So, Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kate. Hi. I'm so excited to have you here. This is going to be a gripping podcast. You are going to talk today about venomous bites, right, Rachel? Yes. Yeah. More than one. <laughs> More than one. Not one, not two, but three different venomous bites that you have used homeopathy to overcome. So I'm excited to hear your story and also for you to tell us about how homeopathy just really meshes with or is an integral part of your life and all the important parts of your life, how it is really intertwined in each of those areas. And so I'm excited for you to share your story with the listeners today. So let's get started by having you just tell us a little bit about yourself, Rachel. Yeah, sure. So I'm married with four kids and a whole bunch of animals. Um, I live in California and yeah, homeopathy just touches all the important points of my life. family ministry, helping other people, um, helping my animals and my plants thrive, and also feeding me intellectually and giving me, like like Joette says, intellectually delicious. It is. It, it is. Um, it feeds my soul. So I am thankful to God for homeopathy. It does. It touches all the important points of my life. And I know when I had younger kids, it was so important to have that something that I could do with my mind that fed me and helped me to continue to grow because I mean, raising kids is amazing and I love being a mom, but it's also nice to have that thing that you can do to continue to grow and learn and then turn around and use it to help your family and others. Like you said, how old are your kids, Rachel? They are 12 all the way down to two. So I got a house full. Yeah. Wow. So you're a busy mom. You don't have time to figure this out as the situation occurs. You really need to know what remedies to use and have them on hand and be ready to go, I would imagine. Yes. 
Yes, very well said. Um, there are things that you can leisurely say, oh, I'll go research that. But, you know, sometimes you got to know on the spot, figure it out. And so studying ahead of time is huge. So how did you get into homeopathy or come to find out about it? Yeah, our story is it all started with a duck, actually. One of our ducks, he was this special heritage breed that we had to wait like two years for the back orders to be fulfilled before we could get him mailed to us. And um, he had a problem where he it's, it's a thing that happens sometimes where they just keep getting abscesses on their feet. And we called the breeder and he said, oh, I'm so sorry. Once that shows up, they never get rid of it. You can try to treat it but they'll just always get it again and again. And he is not good breeding stuff. You don't want to breed him. And we were crestfallen. And I just refused to give up on this guy. And so I said, you know, we were, we had tried, actually, we tried what the breeder said. We tried the antibiotics and we cleaned out the wound. It was traumatic for us and for him. And we bandaged it up faithfully every day. It was, and it, it actually went away. And then just like the breeder said, came back a week later. And we thought, oh, man, we're going to have to put him down like the breeder said. But I said, let me just, I don't know, let me just see if I can find something online. So I just went online and started kind of a, a last-ditch effort to try to find something. And um, I stumbled on homeopathy, or God led me to homeopathy. And I thought, I don't even know what this stuff is. No clue. I don't even think I was pronouncing the word right. Never heard of it. And I was I was like, hey, babe, go. I don't know. Like, I'm thinking maybe these two remedies from what I, I don't even know where I was reading it. Go, go. Uh, can you go to the store and go pick them up and we'll try it. And so we did. And, um, you know, we caught the duck and my husband was holding his little beak open, his little bill. And and I was just about ready to put the, the pellets in. And I stopped and I looked at my husband and I said, if this works as good as it says it's going to work, it's going to change my life. And he kind of laughed. And I was like, no, I'm serious. If this works as good as it says, I'm going after it. I want to see what happens. So we gave him the pellets and put him to bed for the night in his, in his pen. And, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I kind of expected nothing. It was just a, just a last-ditch effort. And the next morning, so so he he was not moving. He stayed right where he was. He he could not walk. Um, he'd been like that for days. When I went out there in the morning, he was hobbling around just from overnight. And the infection was less angry and red and hot. And I thought, what? So I gave him another dose. And then by that night, he was running. He was running. And I think the next day, maybe the day after, there was nothing. There was no, no in infection whatsoever. It had completely gone down. Um, and he's still running around outside to this day. And we, he has never gotten it again. So needless to say, that was enough to convince me. And I have not stopped falling down the rabbit hole since. <laughs> Oh, it's deep and wide, that hole. <laughs> I love that. It all started with a duck. <laughs> if he only knew he changed your life, that duck did. 
<laughs> he's a profound part of our family. Yes. Now. Yes. Oh, so how did you come to find out about Joette? Um, I started to dig down and I started to see a lot of good information online, but it was only half of what I needed. It, it told me all about these wondrous remedies. And then I said, okay, okay, where do I buy it? What do I do? And then I thought, oh my gosh, there's six X and C and 30 and 200 and what and how often. And so I started thinking what I need something that can actually lead me through this. This is very complex. And so I wonderfully stumbled on Joette's website somehow. And then I thought this, this is what I was looking for. And after I found Joette's website, I prayed and I talked to my husband and I said, I, I think I really want to go after this because, you know, in my life, I want to, I want to be like Jesus was. And he was always helping people. He was always healing people and helping people. And I can't do miracles, but this is about as close as I can come. This, this really helps people. It really relieves people's suffering. And so um, my husband and I thought it would be good to just dive into her, to her courses. And I have not looked back. So where did you go from there? So from there, um, I didn't have the funds at the time to do a course, which I immediately wanted to do. So I did what I thought at the time was second best. And I decided to just start stalking her blogs and reading everything that she's ever written. And you know what? That everybody does it now. And it's true. It's an education in and of itself. And I have since gone on to take the courses, which are fantastic. But I just I just started reading and I just started absorbing. And so then the first class I took was Good Gut, Bad Gut. And I listened to it eight times through before I decided to actually start treating what was first and foremost in my heart, which is our family's food intolerances. Wow. Eight times you listened to that course. Yes, it is so chock full that I wanted to just every every time you kind of go a layer deeper. And so you just listen again and again and. Finally, I felt like, okay, I got a handle on the overall picture and I felt competent enough to jump into our, our lifelong food intolerances. And how has that gone since you started working on the food intolerances? It has changed our life. And I know that sounds all, you know, cliche or something, but I can't even tell you our family, we were down to about, I don't know, six or eight foods that we could eat. I had to make everything from scratch. I couldn't even use baking powder because it had corn in it. And I had to use only certain spices and they had to be ground fresh because there might be mold on the pepper. And I mean, like it was outrageously awful and it was like a prison. And, you know, our family did their best to to try to help us with that. But, you know, kind of a bummer at birthday parties and stuff. And it was so awful. And we tried everything. We tried everything to take care of it and nothing was touching it. And if my children even had like a bite of something with wheat in it, they would swell up. They would get blisters from head to toe. I, as their mother, would not recognize them. Oh, they my gosh. So awful. 
So we're not talking about some minor food intolerance. We're talking about debilitating food intolerance. We're talking working with a doctor and really um, like scary food intolerances. And it would, the reaction would last weeks and they were miserable. It was so awful. It was so hard. And so we started on the protocols talked about in good gut, bad gut. And I knew to not expect anything for a while, you know, and I conveyed that to my family, but somehow one of my little ones, um, didn't quite, (laughs) he misunderstood. And someone had brought over English muffins, not sure why they brought them over to us, but my little guy, he, he ate one. We don't, we hadn't even, I think we were on the protocol for about three months and he ate one and I was planning on like, okay, we're going to try like this tiny little bit on the tip of your tongue and not even swallow it. And then we'll see. And, you know, and like, make sure the doctor's there and all this stuff. And so he was like, Hey mom, I just ate an English muffin. And it was like, in my mind, it was like this red like flashing light started going off and a siren like like glass doors went down. I was ready to like jump into action. And he saw, you know, kind of the panic on my face and he's like, no, no, mom, 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 I'm okay. Look, I'm fine. And he showed me, you know, where his blisters usually start. And he was fine, completely fine. And English muffins have everything that they shouldn't eat. And (laughs) every ingredient is bad. And they were fine. And so, Kate, seriously, like we can go out for pizza. We can eat birthday cake. I mean, the only problem now is not eating too much junk food because we can eat it all now. Rachel, this is incredible. And I want to let everyone know that you did this by studying on your own with the information. I mean, it's not like you consulted with Joette. You studied and studied and learned this stuff and you are healing your family. I cannot thank God enough. It literally has changed our mm-hmm. lives. We still, yeah. I think we were the weirdest family at the pizza place that first time. Cause we all just sat there eating with our eyes closed and just silent. <laughs> we, were just so, <laughs> we were so in awe that we were eating pizza. <laughs> I can picture it. You all are like enjoying every bite and savoring it. <laughs> <laughs> You've also, I know, joined in the study groups because you were part of our study group, which is super fun. So I got to know you that way. And what's great is that I remember you talking um, in the Q&A and asking Joette a question, which relates to what we're going to be talking about in the podcast today. But tell us about the study groups and, and you know, just kind of help people to know since you've done the study groups, you've gone through all the information that Joette has for free. You've taken courses. What do you say for those people who are wondering, where do I go and where do I start? What would be your recommendation as far as learning homeopathy? Oh boy. Hang out on her blog, listen to the podcast, soak up everything that you can and definitely do the gateways. And my favorite part is the live Q&A at the end where you actually get to ask Joette a few questions. Like, if you have a chance to hear Joette talk, just listen. Just do it. Be there. You will learn so much. 
Yeah. It's surprising to me when people don't opt to participate in the live Q and a, this is always so much information and wisdom that's shared. And you just, like you said, sit there and absorb it and try to take notes and remember what was talked about. Cause, and it's always so different. And I don't know how it is for those of you who have taken other people's study groups, but I think it's the same way that once you've taken a study group, you can just join in again at no additional cost and keep participating in those Q and A's. And so you can do that over and over again. Yes. That is one of the best reasons to take a gateway in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a great segue, the gateway and the Q and A's into your stories. I know people are probably on the edge of their seats wanting to hear how you've used homeopathy with these venomous bites. And so do you want to just share your experiences? I know they're really amazing. So I'm looking forward to hearing the details about what you've done. Will you share that with us? Yeah, sure. So the first one was a black widow spider bite. It bit this person two times. They tried various things to treat it. And it just got infected and was getting worse. And this person wasn't sleeping at night. Their their arm and their thumb where they got bit was fiery red, fiery pain, just awful looking, so swollen, probably double the size. The, the thumb was double the size. And I kind of came across it after six days and said, oh, my gosh, can do you want some help with that? And so um, it was actually on one of her blogs. This was when I was just barely kind of getting started. And so I looked up Gillette Calabrese Black Widow Spider Bite and crossed my fingers, hoping that she'd written about it. And she did. She had written about it. And so I basically did what she said. The only thing I added in was I soaked it and cleaned it with a diluted Hypericum tincture. And I literally saw the difference in minutes. It was, I think, a minute and a half or two minutes. And this person's shoulders were up around their ears, tense with the pain, grimacing with the pain. And I literally saw within minutes, the shoulders drop down and relax. And they started to talk and kind of chat. And, and then you could see, I mean, there were like red streaks going from the wound up, like dangerous, you know, sepsis kind of stuff. And you could watch the red line receding and you oh could my. watch the, the red becoming a little less angry. And so over the course of a few days, it uh, began healing and it was better within, oh, I'd have to check my notes. It was within a week. It was clean and healthy looking and on the men. And he, he slept that night for the first time, no pain meds and pain meds were not touching it before. Mm. So it was wondrous to see. Rachel, that is a great story. And it's so nice when <laughs> we can just Google Joette Calabrese plus, you know, spider bite or whatever it is. I love it when that information is easily accessible like that. The next one was my turn. Um, I stepped on a scorpion. It was wonderful. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> and by wonderful, like, you mean horrible. <laughs> yes. yes, by 
by like feeling like I stepped on a red hot nail. And um, it just immediately started sending like lava pain up my foot and back up into my shoulder blades of my back. And it was, I started having kind of a tingling sensation in my mouth. It was this strange reaction. And I took the appropriate remedies. And, you know, I, I yelled for my husband, get my kit, get my kit, get my kit. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I just started popping the remedies every few minutes. And within 15 minutes, I remember I was able to sit down and uh, start teaching school again. Oh and I was gosh. still taking the remedies every five minutes or so, but it wasn't like, oh my gosh, climbing on the walls kind of pain anymore. And the reaction went down, the blotchy rash went away. It just took it away so fast. It was amazing. Rachel, that's incredible. You still, you went back to teaching school 15 minutes after being stung by a scorpion. <laughs> I was even amazed myself. I was teaching, but in the back of my head, I was thinking, wow, God, thank you. Thank yeah. you for homeopathy. How did you remember what to take? You know, I had been studying what to take in case for a scorpion, just because they can be around here. So I wanted to be ready. And uh, it just popped into my head when I needed it from the studying. That is fantastic. It's a good thing you were prepared that day. <laughs> I'm glad because that's not the time when you want to start looking through your book. Right. Yes. That is such a good point. And that's what you were saying earlier is um, really to know the medicines and know the things that are in your environment that you could encounter. I mean, we can't know everything, but that was very wise that you studied those things. And you had also prepared for the next venomous bite. So tell us about the question that you asked Joette in the Q&A. Okay, so here's the big, the big enchilada one. I had been anticipating that someday, at some point, someone, some animal would be bitten by a rattlesnake because they are everywhere out here. I mean, just all over the place. You will encounter one at some point where we live. And so I thought, yeah, I need to know what to do ahead of time. And I want to make sure I have the remedies ahead of time. So I, I learned about what to do in a survivalist course for a rattlesnake bite, but I had some other questions and just kind of wanted to understand the thoughts behind the remedies a little more and ask her some questions. And that is where those beautiful Q&As came in. She was so, so helpful. Yeah, those Q&As, they are amazing. They're my absolute favorite thing mm -hmm. to do. Yeah, I agree. So you got the information. From Joette, you felt like you were prepared if something were to occur? Yeah. And I just kept studying the remedies that are involved so that I would really be able to recognize which one was needed. And I put together a kit um, so that if we were out hiking or something, we'd have it on us. And I felt as ready as I could be. Um, and then one day I got a phone call and a horse had been bitten twice by a rattlesnake. 
and those suckers, they cause excruciating pain. And this poor horse was shaking and the leg was swelling immediately. And I got called, is there anything that homeopathy can do? And I thought, oh my gosh, here, here we go. <laughs> all, the, all the study that I'd done, I'm going to have a chance to try it. All that they had on them though. I was like, all right, I'm ready. Okay. I know the remedies. And they said, we don't have any of our remedies with us. We only have a few combination remedies. And I thought, oh boy. So I looked up the ingredients, the remedies in there. And thank God, one of them had Lachesis 30, which was one of the remedies that I wanted. And another combination that they had had Crotalus 30, which is the other remedy that I wanted. And so they started giving the horse those two combination remedies that were not for rattlesnake bite, but it had the correct remedies in there. And the horse started to improve. But they were also giving steroids and pain medication and a bunch of other things. And so it's impossible to tell what was acting. So the owner, he made the decision that he wanted to do the antivenom. So they continued giving those combination remedies with those two beautiful medicines in it to the horse even after the antivenom. And the horse was doing okay. Okay, not great. Okay. And then they were running out of the combination remedy and they thought that the horse was okay. And so they stopped giving it. Pretty quickly, the leg began to swell and swell and swell until it was twice what it was before. And oh my. the horse started going downhill. He stopped eating. His head drooped down. His eyes were dull. He didn't really care what happened to him. So then I got another phone call saying, is there anything we can do for this horse? So that was a day and a half after the bite. So I heard how he was doing and I said, well, you can try this. Lachesis 30 by itself, not in the combination. And the Crotalus 30 by itself. Alternate them every five minutes because he was in dire straits. And, and I'll come over there. I went over there, took me about 45 minutes to get there. And when I got there, I was almost thinking, did I come to the wrong stall? Because this horse's head was up, his ears pricked forward when I, when I walked up and his eyes were bright. And I looked down and sure enough, he had this huge leg and I said, oh, he looks better. And they said, I know, I know. He, after we started giving those remedies, he just picked up. He just perked up. And Kate, they were telling the owner, they were talking to him and preparing him for euthanasia. Wow. There was concern for compartment syndrome and that the skin would actually split because it was so swollen. And it appeared the only option left for him was more antivenom and a $10,000 surgery where they would keep him sedated in a sterile environment with his leg open and the tendon sheath cut open and the wound and the sheath repeatedly flushed out for days and hopefully not get an infection. But this was financially out of the owner's reach and he was devastated. Just 
just devastated. So they were gently preparing the owner for the fact that euthanasia was the next thing for his beloved horse. And I'm looking at this horse in front of me and I'm thinking, this is not what they were describing. So I stayed there for half the night observing the horse and he began to put weight on the leg. He began to eat again. He started to be playful and nibble at our shirts and ask for treats. It was astonishing. Astonishing. 30 was what brought the change. But here's where things went a little, got a little complicated, was his demeanor was night and day. He looked like a happy guy. He wasn't in pain anymore that we could tell. His legs stopped quivering. All, all really good things. But the swelling wasn't going down. So then we went up to 200, from a 30 to a 200. No change. Tried that for a little while. Then we went up to a 1M of both. No change. And I began to observe, and I had asked them before this, is he usually that itchy? Does he itch that much usually? And nobody there that was there at that time of night was very familiar with the horse. And they said, oh, I, I don't really know. I'm not sure. I think so. His owner mentioned that he is itchy sometimes. So I kind of wrote it off. But then he began itching so bad, he was scratching his own hair off on the edges of the stall and different places, going to do himself harm. He was mm -hmm. itching so hard. And I, I asked again, is that normal for him to itch that much? And they said, you know, I was just thinking that's pretty excessive. And so then it dawned on me that we were no longer dealing with a venom problem. We were dealing with a reaction to the antivenom, which can happen. Mm -hmm. um, serum sickness can happen and different things can happen in allergic reaction. And so then I began using some of the study that I'd put into the allergic course and started using some of those things. And also on her blog, she talks about anaphylactic reaction. As soon as we switched to the allergic remedies, then the swelling started going down. And he immediately stopped itching, just immediately. Mm. And the angst stopped. And so from then on, we no longer did anything toward venom, but toward the allergic reaction. And so one thing that was so helpful, and Joette never mentioned this exact thing, but she stresses over and over in her courses, take good notes, take good notes, take pictures, get the magic markers. And so I thought, I can't get magic markers from this guy. He can't tell me how he's feeling or, you know, how, how am I going to, how am I going to do it? And, and to take pictures of swelling is in a, in a shadowy stall, a horse stall is kind of deceptive to be able to tell, is it going down? And so we got one of those flexible measuring tapes that you use for sewing. And we begin measuring six different points along the leg, like the, the fetlock, the pastern, the knee. And we then began comparing, is the swelling going down? That way, it wasn't up to our eye or our memory, but it was scientific. So with those numbers, we were able not just to conclusively prove that the remedies were working, but also it helped us to determine how frequently he needed the remedies. 
So those numbers showed us that tipping point that Joette's always talking about, you know, balancing how often the ribbony is given based on the symptoms. And so that was so helpful. So he got other remedies to prevent sepsis and other things, but he just kept improving in every way. And seven days after it looked like there was no hope at all for him, he was back with his owner. And you know, Kate, he only lost a little bit of hair right at the puncture site and had a little bit of scabs right there, but there was no necrosis. I don't know if you've seen those awful pictures of the yes, tissue death. I have. They're horrific. I mean, like viewer discretion advised, they just look terrible after a rattlesnake bite. And there was just simply nothing like that at all. He looks great. He's running around, eating, playful, energetic. And you know what else? I had to laugh because the owner recently contacted me and asked if he could possibly continue giving him those remedies because the horse's yearly summer allergies are gone. Like he's actually better than before the snake bite because of homeopathy. <laughs> wow. Now, when you say continue the remedies, you don't mean continue all the remedies that you were doing. Of course, you meant just the ones that would be for allergic reactions. Yes. At the end, he had finished up with all the things that he was doing and was just on a simple allergy remedy to to finish off the swelling. And apparently it helped him in other ways, too, that we didn't intend. That is what I love about homeopathy. <laughs> it always does more than you expect it. Or I, sh I shouldn't say always, but quite often. Yes, it was amazing. Hmm. Yeah, that's an incredible story. And you know what makes you wonder how soon that allergic reaction actually started, doesn't it? Yes, yes, I do wonder. But he, he is good today. He is happy today. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm thankful that you studied those medicines and you asked the questions and were prepared. And just the other day, you were telling me earlier that your kids came super close to a rattlesnake. So, I mean, you're surrounded. Surrounded. <laughs> surrounded. So, you know, while on the way to a hospital, I, I'll know what to do. Mm -hmm. And maybe by the time I get there, they won't be in such bad shape. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. very empowering. Instead of being afraid of what is going to happen, might they get bit? I just know what to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, you have a lot of other stories about using homeopathy. Maybe just share a couple more or tell us all the different <laughs> things that you've used homeopathy successfully for and any other insights that you have? Sure. Um, just real quick, there was an old dog, a rescue dog, old, old guy. And one day he just couldn't get up. His back legs just wouldn't work. He would try to stand up. He would yelp in pain and his legs just sort of were paralyzed and just kind of fold under him like an accordion. And he couldn't get up. And if anybody tried to touch him, he would cry out in pain. He was in just agony. Nobody even knows what happened. Um, and he was like that for a while. And the vets 
didn't know what to do. They said, well, he's just, you know, he's an old dog. He's lived a, lived a long life. And so right before they were going to put him down because he was just miserable, I said, why didn't, you know, maybe you could try this if you want. And I kid you not, the next day he was able to stand up. He had a little bit of a limp, but he was able to get his legs under him. He was moving and not looking like he was in pain. He was wagging his tail and looking happier. And then the day after that, he was out walking around and even running after the car. Um, so that dog is literally alive still because of homeopathy. And then another time, um, we have a dog. We named her Bella for Belladonna. And she, brilliant thing that she is, swallowed a big rock. And we didn't know it, but all of a sudden she's not eating and she's throwing up and there's blood coming out the other end. And we're thinking, oh my gosh, what is this? And so because of all, all the fear and all of the stuff that's going on right now, things were open. Um, the, the vet were not accepting anyone at this time. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to open up my Banerjee Protocols book. See if there's something in here. My best guess was that she had swallowed something and it was, you know, a bowel obstruction. And so I gave her those remedies, stayed up with her throughout the night. And my husband had, he had been gone when all this happened. And he came home right before I started giving the remedies. And she just, her head was like, her nose was practically touching the floor. She was miserable miserable in so much pain she looked horrible and he said I think we're going to lose her I, I don't think she's going to make it but I said well let's try and I stayed up throughout the night giving her these remedies and she passed the rock and she healed up and she is 100% fine today. Rachel what remedies did you end up using then? You know I went with in the Banerjee protocol, the gastrointestinal bleeding and the gastric outlet obstruction protocols from their book. And I made up water doses of each remedy and used disposable pipette droppers to deliver the remedy to her. It was easier for me and she was getting dehydrated. So I figured the liquid was good for her. Yeah. And I tell you, like, we were sure glad that night in the middle of the night on a weekend we were sure glad that we had gone through the Banerjee Protocol book and purchased ahead of time all of those remedies just in case we'd need them someday because that someday came and it saved our Bella. Mm, yeah, I can't even tell you the number of times I hear either the person didn't get those remedies, you know, the kits or the survivalist kit and they end up needing them or they did get them and they're so thankful. So. Yeah. Once again, get those remedies, you know, purchase the remedies above all else. Let's switch now from talking about animals to humans. And you have a pretty amazing birth story that you would love to share. So tell us about it. I would love to share it. I was invited to be at a birth where the parents used homeopathy. And it was very incredible to see how many times 
And in how many different ways homeopathy came to the rescue, it totally came through for mom and baby. But what I didn't expect was that it also made all the difference in the world for the father, too. So this was a long, long, long labor, and the mom needed a lot of support. Much of the support was emotional, like there were times that she had fears anticipating the upcoming pushing stage, and Gelsemium 200 calmed that anxiety right down. She would go three, four, five hours after a dose. Then as soon as she voiced those fears again, and it happened a handful of times, Gelsemium would again bring courage. It was just beautiful to see her go from wanting to give up to having an I've got this attitude. More than once, I heard an attendant whispering, what was that? Because the change was so dramatic. That's so funny. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) The mother also often showed a tremendous neediness for the father to stay exactly by her side. Sometimes so extreme, she couldn't even bear to let him quickly run to the bathroom. Okay. And so for those of you who are listening, who have been following Joette for a while and studying homeopathy, Uh, I'm just curious if you already have in your mind what remedy she could be talking about. (laughs) Right. It was the perfect (laughs) picture of Pulsatilla. Yeah. Pulsatilla. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she would say, oh, don't leave. Don't leave me. Are you going to leave me? And he's not going to dream of leaving her. But she was so clingy and needy. And Pulsatilla 200 just just did its work beautifully. Mm -hmm. The clinginess disappeared. And if it reappeared again later, Pulsatilla resolved it each time. And it also helped her with the nausea she was experiencing since the labor began. So Pulsatilla was a big help for the mom. But what really impressed me was what the remedy did for the position of the baby. That was something. So the baby was in the posterior position, which means he was facing the wrong direction when labor started. And after Pulsatilla was used, he rotated to the correct position. Everybody was happy, thought that that was finished, but that little guy was quite determined. He did not want to stay in the correct position. <laughs> three more times, Kate, three more times during active labor, he reverted back to the posterior position and three more times, Pulsatilla corrected it. The birth wow. attendants were very impressed by its action, especially since the head was already very engaged down in the pelvis. Babies don't usually move at that point. That's what I was going to ask you is how far along was she at that point, but the head was already down. It was quite engaged in the pelvis. Mm. They were pretty amazed that Mm. the baby moved. Wow. I know that Joette wrote a blog about this very thing, turning a breech baby, and it's called Birthing Series Part One, Turning a Breech Baby. And in that blog, she does say Pulsatilla 200. So besides the feminopathy course, there is information on birthing in Joette's blogs. So be sure to check that out. many other remedies that were used for stalled labor, weak contractions, fatigue, back labor, even after the delivery for the crippling postpartum depression that the mom experienced. But like I said, 
it helped the father too. I wanted to talk about that. Since it was a really long labor, it was exhausting for everybody. And this poor first time father had been running around doing everything possible for his wife. He hadn't really been eating and basically hadn't slept at all for days. And so not surprisingly, it took a toll and he began to feel a migraine coming on. And he was going down hard and he was going down fast. It was so, the timing of it, Kate, his migraine started coming on toward the very end of the pushing stage when the baby was finally almost going to be born. After all they'd been through, I mean, it really looked like he was going to miss the whole, the whole thing. Oh my gosh. He tried at first to push through it, but I mean, he was like green with nausea and the room was spinning and he was getting unsteady on his feet. I mean, he was a mess. So after we promised that we wouldn't forget to wake him up before the baby was born, he agreed to lie down and he decided to take Tobaccum 200 and Coculus 30. And he promptly fell asleep. And later when we woke him shortly before the birth, all his symptoms were completely gone. I mean, he felt fine. So because of homeopathy, he was able to be by his wife's side and enjoy that beautiful moment. And Mm. neither of us think he would have been able to see his firstborn entering the world if it wasn't for homeopathy. Mm. Now, tobacco is for nausea. It's a great remedy for nausea. And coculus is good also for dizziness and fatigue from caring for others. So sounds like it was a great remedy for him. Okay. And then just that one dose? Just Is one it, dose. Wow. Great. Yeah. That's wonderful. Now, the baby, it had also been a long ordeal for him. And he came out in distress. He was the perfect picture of panic. Eyes were wide open and staring. Arms up with his little fist tightly clenched and shaking. And I mean, nothing could console him. His breathing was compromised from aspirating meconium. And despite suctioning and oxygen, his lungs were not clear and his crying sounded garbled. So remedies were tried, but without much change. And the parents were being gently prepared that he was going to need to go into the NICU if he didn't quickly improve. So when it was observed that the baby was still quite cold, despite all the normal warming methods, Camphor 200 was given. And Kate, within minutes, his pulse and breathing slowed down to normal. His little fingers unclenched and his arms just relaxed down. His body warmed up. You could actually feel the difference in the temperature. He stopped crying. And that struggling little guy, he just melted into his father's arms. And he just lay there completely serene and content and just gazed up into his daddy's eyes. I mean, the change was moving and incredible. There wasn't a dry eye in the room. I'm getting emotional just listening to it. (laughs) Wow. And miraculously, when they listened to his chest again, his lungs sounded completely clear. I mean, totally and completely clear. There was no more gargling, rattling, wet sounds at all. They monitored him for quite a long time after just to be sure, but all the respiratory distress had vanished and he didn't need any further intervention. 
Wow. The staff all wanted to know more about homeopathy after that. And the parents tell everyone who will listen about how God used homeopathy to give them the birth experience they wanted. And they say, we don't want to think what would have happened without it. Right. Wow. Incredible. This is just an amazing story. What an amazing thing to be a part of, Rachel. It was beautiful to watch. Are there any other stories that you want to share with us today, Rachel? Oh my goodness, I have so many more stories I could tell you. Our plants have even benefited from homeopathy. My husband has watered in and sprayed remedies on our trees to, I mean, just completely get rid of leaf curl and fire blight. Let's see, there was someone who had gallbladder surgery scheduled. And they were able to cancel the surgery, knee replacement surgery canceled, um, people on antibiotics forever for lifelong UTIs since she was like five years old. And she's an adult now. She doesn't have them anymore. And like regular migraines canceled, just incredible. Um, one more story, if I could share, if I have time, yeah. um, is someone called me about rabbit hemorrhagic disease virus, which is going around right now. And it is extremely deadly for rabbits. And they were losing about one a day. And they said, is there anything that can be done? There's, there's nothing that can be done that anyone knows of. And I said, well, you know, you could try putting hemomilis and arnica, hemomilis 200 and arnica 3, which is the Banerjee protocol for vascular issues. And then also put in Crotalus 30 in their water. And, you know, let's, let's try it. And they were losing about a rabbit a day in their, in their large rabbitry. And the death stopped. Just stopped. Not one has died since. And the ones that were looking a little off are fine now. They're oh, wow. Fine. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Oh, you have so many amazing stories. I feel like we could go on and on. I'm super grateful for homeopathy as I know that you are. And I love hearing all the ways that you've used homeopathy successfully. I thank you, Rachel, for sharing that with us. Yeah, you're welcome. Happy to do it. So before we finish today, I would love it if you could just share some words of wisdom with us about homeopathy? You know, I'd say just keep going, just keep studying. So much of what I've learned was while I was doing the dishes, listening to the courses, listening to podcasts. And then every free minute I had, I have a Materia Medica in my lap and just studying. And there's not always a lot of free time in my life, but you just keep studying, just keep learning. And you know, we hear Joette's amazing stories and look at her so seemingly effortlessly doing all these wondrous things, but she worked hard to get there. She put in the time to practice. And if, if we do too, then slowly but surely we become a little better and a little better. And if you make the wrong choice, try again. And also, you know, when something is above your head and ask for a doctor to come in or the homeopath, but there's a lot that we can do. And the other thing is, is knowing what to do is only half 
the battle. The other half is having the remedies right at your fingertips when you need them. And so buy remedies, lots of them, and take them with you. I don't go anywhere, nowhere without my remedies. Um, And I have actually, so that we can have a set in the car and a set in the house and even a set somewhere other than the house in case there's a fire or something like that. I have taken my main bottles of remedies and gotten the little teeny tiny bottles that you see in the Washington homeopathics kit. And I have divided my larger bottles into those smaller bottles so that I can have some in my purse and I can have some in the car and I can have some in a snake kit and I can have them all over the place so that they are there when I need them. And lastly, I just want to say thank you to God for these amazing remedies. He is showing us his kindness and how much he loves us. I think through these remedies, they just, they just make my heart sing. That is beautifully said, Rachel. And so we're just going to leave it right there. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Yeah. Thank you, Kate. I really appreciate the opportunity. As I hope you know by now, on my blog, podcasts, and Facebook Live, I offer as many protocols for simple conditions as I can for free without affiliates or advertising. But let me be clear, when it comes to more complex conditions, it's key that you learn how to use these medicines properly. I want you to be well-trained. So I save discussions of the more involved methods for my courses in which I walk students through each method with step-by-step training. In these podcasts, I focus on those students of mine who have already tunneled in and learned how to take care of themselves, family, and friends, and pets, and even livestock using homeopathic medicine. Many of these students began their education by participating in one of my gateway to homeopathy study groups. And now, after taking one or more of my courses, they're well-trained to use my specific brand of homeopathy. I hope listening to this podcast has inspired you to follow in their footsteps. With the proper training, you too can nurture and protect the health of your family and loved ones with practical homeopathy. You just listened to a podcast from practicalhomeopathy.com, where nationally certified homeopath, public speaker, and author Joette Calabrese shares her passion for helping families stay strong through homeopathy. Joette's podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Blueberry, Pandora, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening to this podcast with Joette Calabrese. To learn more and find out if homeopathy is a good fit for your health strategy, visit practicalhomeopathy.com.